Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You straight up cuckooed that dude, bro. Oh my God. You've got all your Charger gear on because. I look good. I got big energy every day. Let's go! And he is dicked. Blind squirrel finds an every once in a while. That's right. You have to love what you're seeing on tape if you're a Chargers fan, especially for the future with Justin Herbert. On the move and throws and touchdown. Come on, Players, coaches, staff, fans, together, we can create something truly special. Stay tuned for some good content. (laughs) Well, good morning, all of you Charger (laughs) Chat fans. Welcome back to the Charger Chat. I'm your co-host, Will Dogson, with my buddies, Kev Hug and Duggan. Hey, guys, how are you? Doing just fine, buddy. And let's not forget Kyle the Coach Duggan. Good morning, boys. Good morning. Well, I have shaved all of my long hair off, so good riddance. <laughs> By Thor. <laughs> Done with it. <laughs> Be designed. Um, all right. Well, folks, we've got lots to talk about this episode, as per usual. Um, starting off, looking over at the Charger social media, they just dropped a trailer uh, for a new podcast uh, called Running for History, Telling the Story of Ladanian Tomlinson's 2006 season and more. Uh, it's a six-part narrative podcast. Uh, episodes will come out every Friday, uh, beginning November 5th, and can be found on the Chargers Podcast Network and Chargers YouTube channel. Uh, there's quite a bit of guests on there. Uh, Antonio Gates, Ryan Clark, Jim Trotter, uh, four-time Olympic gold medalist Michael Johnson, and many more. Um Looks so yeah, we're looking at all six episodes. They've already got the titles out. Uh LT's Origins, the 2001 draft, LT's rookie year and Marty Ball, the offensive line, 2006, the game, December 10th, 2006. So I'm so excited for this. Like, I cannot wait to hear like the his teammates and all these people do a deep dive on LT and what he's done. I know I'm interested to see what's different, you know, because like, I feel like we've heard a lot of these. Obviously, all of those episode titles, like, okay, I, I kind of know what they're going to talk about. Yeah, I, for the mm-hmm. most part, I, and I feel like I know what people are going to say. Um, me and dad were talking about it the other day, and he's like, yeah, but it'll be cool to hear like the behind the scenes stuff. I'm like, 
I know, but I, I, I almost feel like I know what everyone's going to say. So I am excited to listen and see mm-hmm. um, those little nuggets of stuff that we just don't know, you know, like. Yeah. I want to hear Nick Hardwick because he's on there too. Yeah. I want to hear from the center mm-hmm. who controlled right. the line that blocked for him. Yeah. Like, I'm curious, like the insights on that. And like, it, you know, we hear all the narratives from ESPN and NFL and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like the very, you know, simple cut and dry stuff. Yeah. But the stories, like the behind the yeah. scenes things that we may not have heard. I, I really can't wait to hear all about that. Yeah, right. it'd be cool to have it all compiled in one spot. Totally. Yeah, to have the access that we have now uh, in this day and age with, you know, things like All right. In and all of the other Charger behind the scenes now to be able to, jump in the wayback machine and kind of get some of that same type of insight but from back in in yeah. that era of football when really it was just some of the best charger football that we ever had and LT breaking his record uh that's going to be pretty awesome pretty special so keep an eye out for that folks um like a bolt history on steroids it really is yeah mike modlin <laughs> No, or he's, they listen, he's got or his calendar marked. Everyone listens to our podcast. They started hearing Mike Maudlin. They're like, wow, this is really good. Boy, we, we should maybe make something, something of our right? own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Mike Maudlin tells all the good stories. <laughs> he's got a good one later this episode. He really way. does, real folks. Good. Yeah, a real solid one. Um, all right, folks. Well, the trade deadline has come and gone. Tommy T didn't make any moves, so... Let's go. What's what, right? It's what we thought was going to happen. Like the, it's just, everyone it's always, wanted it, but it just didn't yeah. happen. It's always in the back of your heart. Like, oh man, that'd be kind of cool if we got somebody big. But right. you, you, you tell yourself like, no, that's not going to happen. You know, but right. you kind of hope it does. Right. It, I think, you know, every time I think about it now, I go back to what you were saying, Kyle, of just like, what's to say that these guys don't get hurt? What's to say that this guy is truly better than what we currently have or you know what's the down the line deal going to be like there's so many questions that come into this that it's yeah, like it's, it's as kevin just shot. pantomimed it's a crapshoot you don't you know it's know. uh it, so i think it, <laughs> what's the saying you know the the devil you know versus the devil you don't you like don't, you know yep. it's better to just go with the team that like you know what we these guys can do you know what they're capable of Let's ride that off into the sunset and let's see how yeah. far it takes us. And that's what Tommy T's proven is he's more conservative. Yeah. Like he's yeah. not willing to take those shots. Right. Um, and it is what it is. Exactly. I, we have a team that won four really tough games. I think they can win a lot more. Exactly. Totally. Well, and it's interesting to see people's kind of thoughts like this last after this loss, it kind of really shook a lot of our fan base. Yeah. Up. So it it's like day by day, depending on what happens, like a new person's head is on the chopping block. Like it was, it's, I've seen a whole bunch of people. I've seen some people even saying Herbert, which bro, what? bro, I know. Second, was there hearing, some talk about trading for Deshaun Watson out there? Yeah, the dude, Twitter don't, no. don't even get me started on that. That's ridiculous. Uh, people talking about Lombardi's heads on the chopping block. And then after Telesco didn't do anything, Telesco's heads on the chopping block. It's like, guys, we aren't in France. There are no guillotines. Just calm the fuck down. Right. It's 2021. Chill out. Everybody just chill out. Put the gun down. Um, Yeah. Put the lever down. That's right. Um, So it it is what it is. However, looking at other teams that uh, did make some trades, uh, boy, we really didn't want to see this. Pittsburgh Steelers trading Melvin Ingram to the Kansas City Chiefs for a sixth round pick. Uh, I I, I hate this, but here's what I kind of like about this. Mm. There was an opportunity during the offseason 
that we all remember that um, Melvin Ingram went into Kansas City to like have a meeting to right. get, you know, and we all were like, Kyle was like, uh, he's going to come out with like some hidden stuff. And we're going to resign him. It'll be great. Reconnaissance like, he mission. He didn't yeah. sign with the Chiefs. He didn't want to be a Chief. Right. The only way the Chiefs could get him is by trading for him. Right. He's probably not thrilled to be a Chief right now. Yeah. In all honesty. Yeah. No. So that's the one thing I can take away from it that's like, okay. What that he's is not what happy. That is. He's not happy about it. He's sitting there in Kansas City, cold and unhappy. Against his will. Um, yeah. He's, he's blink twice if you need us to come rescue you. Yeah. Know. yeah it's uh it was a sad sight to see. Um apparently, boy, he just like he wasn't in Pittsburgh for very long, but I guess he wasn't having a good time in Pittsburgh. He was, I guess, kind of vocal about wanting to move on to another team. So yeah, that wasn't that was su- kind of surprising because he was never kind of like that he was never like that when he was with us like it was he was the leader and even when we sucked even when we sucked he was the leader and he really stepped up and was like i'm out of here get me out of here i'm i think you said he's better than the guy he was sharing time with Mm. he said something like that which is never never good well he's also coming to terms with the fact that he's coming to the end of his career and that's not easy to do Mm -hmm. especially when you're in a new place and you don't trust anyone yet and yeah that's that's i feel bad for him i i hope he has some success to where he can go play more if he wants, but not too much success because he's a chief now. Right. Totally. Exactly. He's had the first day of school twice this year and those are never comfortable. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's been an awkward 2021 for Mr. Ingram. Uh, there are, best um, of luck. Yeah. There's two, there are two names though, that I think that popped up because of the trade deadline, they weren't traded, but Deshaun Jackson got released by the Rams. Correct. And now OBJ is about to be cut. Oh, right. Yeah, rounds. he's kind of Dude, just taking a back seat. I, uh, here's the thing. Those are fun toys to have. No, no, but no. The I reason think, why is because they're toxic. That's no, no, all no. I've heard. Right? I think that OBJ is going to end up on the Raiders. That was what I think the effect mm. of the Chargers is, is they are now Henry Ruggs-less. Right. They need a dynamic downfield guy. I think, I think there's potential that OBJ could end up in Vegas. And toxic and where... He should probably it's where be. it it's they, where they it. thrive on toxicity. the epicenter. Yeah, they're welcome. <laughs> no, they welcome it. Right. And I don't want to get into it too much, but like the whole situation with rugs, man, like that is sad. That's that very is sad. so sad. And yeah. just you can't there's you can't support him when you do when you somebody does something like that. There's, right. There's no way. So right. it's just I feel bad for that family that is dealing with the repercussions of his choices. Yes. Yeah. It's a extremely sad situation. Um, moving on and looking on over to Twitter, uh, Daniel Popper, again, just, uh, just giving us nothing but golden nuggets every time that we, uh, we look over at his Twitter, um, tweeted out Justin Herbert shows up on the injury report with a throwing hand injury. Uh, he first injured it when he hit his hand on a helmet in the chiefs game. I asked Brandon Staley today if Herbert was dealing with any lingering effects from that injury. No. Staley said uh, <laughs> Herbert was limited Wednesday. So, yeah, we all saw in that Chief game, there was a, a throw that he had. He hit a player's helmet with his hand, kind of did one of those, like, you know, Shaking ow, it shook it off. That was like four weeks ago. Which was, it was a while ago. But I do recall in the Patriots game, they mentioned that, like, oh, Herbert, he's he holding his hand again. So, I d- they didn't show they replay. Did. I found it on Twitter. Somebody posted it. It was at that last drive. Um, it was a throw to um, 
it was like a big, it was a big pickup. It was like third and 13 or 18 mm. to Mike Will. And he threw and then just the defender clipped his hand. Okay. Mm. It's as simple as that. So right. he finished and he made through that bomb to um, Palmer. So, and he was throwing at practice. They were showing him work, you know, practicing. Like limited is such a weird thing. Like you have to put him on there, but he, I don't know how limited he was. So I, right. I there's concern, but I also did when I was at the Kansas City game. I watched him walk out with a giant cast on, like not a cast, but like a it full was wrap up, up on yeah. his hand. And we didn't talk about that again. So I, you know, it's just hopefully it's just playing it safe because you never want to see your starting quarterback on the injury report. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the, I mean, the thing that's coming out now, now that that has come to light, is everybody is going like, "Hey, is this the reason why we've been struggling these last couple of games?" Like. Is this a lingering injury or is this one that just kind of reemerged because of that final drive uh, against the Patriots? Well, I don't think it is because I saw somebody post and basically they did like it's all the analytics guys all over the Internet where they're talking about like throws and catchable balls and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And Herbert's has all of his balls have been extremely catchable. It's been dropsies. Mm. I, I'm not I'm not I'm not chalking any of this like you know, his slightly injured hand is the reason why he's off target. Mm -hmm. We talked about it last week. He's been putting it on their hands. They're just dropping everything. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's more of where it's at. Okay. So there you go. Put that to bed. Um, Daniel Popper also tweeted out, uh, Kenneth Murray, uh, was back at practice today and has been designated to return from IR chargers have 21 days to activate him. So, so what do you think? Do you think he's going to be playing anytime soon? Because they did the same thing with Justin Jones and they activated him like the day before and he was playing. Like, what do you guys do you think we're going to be waiting on this activation? I don't, I don't think so. I, I, really I, I think they're I think they're going to be wanting every able bodied out there right now because we are in that like this is that part of the schedule that we've all talked about as being very winnable. So we got to ensure that we have the guys out there that can win that yeah, game for we're, us. We're also super cautious on getting people back. Like they sure. are not rushing anyone back. Justin Jones missed six weeks. They are letting guys take their time to get back out there. Mm -hmm. um, Kenneth Murray, he rolled his ankle. Like it, 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 they let him sit on it pretty, pretty long to make sure that he's back. So I, I just really don't know that this, this news to me doesn't indicate anything. Mm -hmm. Once he's like full participant going, like getting after it in practice, and I'm like, yeah, he's probably going to play. But I don't think not having practiced in now four weeks and then just activated for return means they want to see what he looks like, see what he's doing out there. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful that he does play on Sunday, but I don't think they're forcing people back before they're ready. Well, so sure. More likely the next week. Vikings. Hopefully. I don't know. Maybe he's fully ready. We don't, we just don't, I don't, right. we don't know. We haven't seen what his status has been in practice. If he's been, you know, if he's capable to fully practice or limited yeah. or any of that business. So, um, we will see, but if I'm a betting man, I'm get. I'm thinking we're going to see Kenneth on Sunday. That's, that's my, that's my hot take. I hope you uh, did. <laughs> Uh, and then over, uh, Gavino Borges tweeted out, Brandon Staley said, Kenneth Murray's role is evolving which means that he could get more snaps Ooh. as a pass rusher when he returns from the IR. At Oklahoma, he was an effective blitzer due to timing and play speed. Chargers have also re-signed defensive line Forrest Merrill to the practice squad. I'd love to see, I'd love, 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 love to see Kenneth Murray 
rushing the passer because mm-hmm. we need we need to do it. And if you guys been wa- I've been I went back and watched the, the last game and like seeing we stunt a lot. Have you noticed this, Kyle? We stunt a lot and we seem to be running into each other a lot. Like, like what what getting after the quarterback in that way with all these stunts and all these loop arounds and all this like you know crash down cut around like do we just want to get back to just getting upfield and rush letting Joey Bosa just rush the passer? Well, that, teams are not allowing Joey Bosa to rush the passer. That's that's just the bottom line is they're completely taking him out of the play by hitting him with three different guys. He's exhausted before he even gets to the tackle. So right. he's yeah, he he him they're just taking out. I he, I would prefer to see Joey Bosa stunting more cuz then you don't know where he's going to be. Um him on just a one-on-one with the tackle they're able to chip and chip again and then double team and so yeah that sucks um i don't know i i think it opens up i think it opens up lanes for blitzes so stunts stunts are defensive linemen moving around like kevin suggested that's just like if uh the nose tackle and the defensive tackle flip-flop gap so the nose tackle will boom right to the b gap and then the defensive tackle will loop around so those are stunts mm. um but it opens up opportunities for blitzes so if you're stunting enough Defensive, the offensive line gets used to moving, and then you bring a linebacker on a blitz. It should open up um, gaps. It also it covers up some of your inadequacies. So I ne- when I was coaching in high school, never had like an elite dominant defensive line. Um, so I had to do those types of things to try to get pressure, to try to create something, get one guy through untouched. Um, them running into each other is just ex- poor execution. But I don't think the 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 idea of a stunt in itself. Um, is a bad is a bad bad idea. Well, okay. hopefully we yeah. can you know if they're putting so much emphasis on Joey that you know Kyler Fackrell like they got Kenneth Murray get after it like mm-hmm. you're you're not getting dealt one of those one of those offensive linemen is being shifted so you you have a better opportunity to get after him so go do it please mm-hmm. big time yeah any time the I I keep seeing so much video of Joey getting either double or triple teamed. And it's crazy that like they're able to put that many guys on one player to stop his effectiveness and still make a play using three guys to stop one guy and still make a play with the with the other guys that they have on their side. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they get that figured out. But, hey, uh, good to see that there's at least talk of his play evolving. Like that's yeah. exciting that yeah. you know that he's got that capability, and also I think kind of speaks to possibly him coming back. I don't know if they've just been scheming while he's been sitting in bed, like that his play, you know, or his role is evolving without you know working with him on that and making sure that he's capable and ready to go for that. Um, and also good to see Forrest Merrill coming back to the practice squad. Clearly a been a fan were, favorite for <laughs> everyone was so bummed out when he was let go, and I was like, oh my god, we're never going to get him again, and he's so- back. It's so funny how our fan base grabs onto these guys that really haven't done anything and just like they are he is ours no one can have him or else I'm no longer a fan you know <laughs> yeah. like that's what we turn into well I love, like, it. I love the guy he's an passionate. awesome he's an awesome underdog story um but, <laughs> but he's not done anything right you deadlift one minivan and all of a sudden the entire fan <laughs> yeah. base is behind you um so, well, it's good to see that he's back. Yeah, um, it is. And then one last tweet here. Uh, Dove, Dove Kleiman, Kleeman, uh, former NFL <laughs> We veteran. have no idea I how to say know. his name. First or last. I'm None sorry. I'm sorry, Dove. Dove Kleeman uh, tweeted out, former NFL veteran QB Philip Rivers 
says he's open to listening to the Saints about returning to the league. Per the LA Times Farmer, last season Rivers took the Colts to the playoffs after spending most of his career with the Chargers and becoming their all-time leading passer. So Saints are dealing now with uh, Jameis Winston. I think he tore his ACL or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he's um, gone. So he he's done. And is there? Are they going? I, I haven't even checked with the Saints. Are they going with? Um, is it Taysom Hill? Is that? Their, I think he's also right now. It's oh, is he? Trevor Simeon. Yeah. Oh, right, so, Simeon. Yeah. Maybe there's a reason why we didn't <laughs> induct him or you know re-sign him to let get him that final day like, contract. Yeah. He's still got a little ball left in him. I don't know. He's I, got some fight left in him. Yeah, I don't know. This is a crazy thought that I don't know. I, don't, I haven't checked in. Do you guys know how his high school team's doing? Are they still well, undefeated? No, no, no. I saw, I just looked it up on Max Preps and I think they're like six and six or something. But mm-hmm. I saw that um, when the clip, when the reporter was asking him about that, they were, it was, he was like, uh, we're turning in pads right now, wrapping up. You could see he was like super bummed that his high school season was over. Football was and, over. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's hey, the timing is there. His season's done. He's ready to go play some football now himself. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I coach high school for half of the NFL season, and now I'm ready, guys. I'm <laughs> yeah. ready to get back out there. I need football in my life that much that I'm that I'll be, go. Let's go. That I would be so excited if Philip was playing in the NFL in a couple of weeks. That'd One more so time. That would be yeah. so rad. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, now let's take a look over at the injury report. Um, as of Wednesday, Michael Davis not practicing. Uh, Austin Eckler still on the report, but practicing in full. Good to see. Uh, Alohi Gilman, ankle, not practicing. Uh, as we mentioned, Justin Herbert, his right hand uh, being listed on that injury report was in limited. So who knows if he's just doing hand exercises on the sideline or what that all entails. Um, Justin Jackson, uh, his quadricep. Man, this guy. I, <laughs> this He's killing me. Like, he gets us all excited with that run, and then he's just like, what is, what? Right. Why? Yeah, we what all. What do you want from us? What do you want from us, Justin? <laughs> How do you want us to feel? Northwestern took all of his good, his good health. He just cannot do it anymore. Yeah, so his quadricep is the injury. He is not practicing. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. still with the concussion injury, not practicing. Uh, Drew Tranquil still on the injury report with the chest injury, but practicing in full. So love it. Yeah, and, I mean, I, <laughs> well, I don't love it. But, is uh, not looking great. <laughs> yeah, the, the cornerback situation is a concern, but um, but seeing everybody else at least getting in the limited or full practices is good to see. Um, The Alohi Gilman one was kind of surprising. He didn't get hurt on the Patriot game, or at least not partway through the game that we saw. So not sure what, uh, where that injury sprouted from, but it's a Wednesday. We're recording Thursday morning. So all we have is a Wednesday report, right? They're obviously very cautious on Wednesdays. Most people, if you even have something little, they're saying, Hey, don't, don't play. You're fine. We'll get after it Thursday, Friday or Friday. Right. Right. Yeah. Go to the lap pool, like the yeah. new facility we're going to have. Go take some laps, take a hot tubby. Be good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I wasn't going to go into the Philadelphia Eagles injury report, but I'm looking at it right now. They've got one, two, three tackles <laughs> listed on their injury report. So they might at least have a banged up O-line uh, and their center, Jason uh, Kell, Keel, Kell. Yeah, so they've Jack got would. they've got four linemen on their injury report. So maybe our defense can uh, 
get some good turnovers in that regard. Well, and one of the guys that people wanted to trade for was Fletcher Cox. That was one of the guys on the list of mm. to-dos to try and improve, and he's also did not participate um, his knee. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. All right. But it, also last week we looked at this, and the uh, you know the Patriots had everyone and their mom was on their injury <laughs> report list. It was like 30 people, so yeah. grain of salt on this stuff. Right. Well, yeah, some of these things are not injury-related. Like Lane Johnson, one of the tackles, Jason Keel, also not injury-related. It just rests. These guys are old. <laughs> the Eagles, that's all that is like no they're just old they need some rest they're gonna be sleeping today <laughs> take a nap old man yeah. it's old guys it's fletcher cox <laughs> taking a nap not injury related <laughs> lane johnson <laughs> taking a nap not injury related it was with their injury report everybody like. get your sleeping caps on it's yeah. that time don't wake up lane he's <laughs> napping <laughs> No one likes him when yeah. he's unnapped. <laughs> no one wants a grumpy Lane Johnson. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, now it is time to take a look at our upcoming opponent, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, looking at some of the previous opponents and scores that they've gotten. Uh, boy, they just trounced the Falcons in that week one game, 32 to six, uh, but hot. came out hot. And then ever since then, it's been a little... A little on the cooler a side. up and down, yeah. Yeah, they uh, lost to the 49ers, um, lost to the Cowboys by almost Cowboys double the was score. a little bit of a butt whooping. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, a bit a of a butt whooping. Um, Chiefs beat them, unsurprisingly. Well, uh, that was one of the chi- few times. They scored 40, though. The Chiefs, yeah, that was one of the few times. I don't put as much credit on ch- people beating the Chiefs anymore. It's just Dude, kind of what people barely- do barely beat the giants like and Sweet. now like this this whole thing with uh aaron Rodgers not being able to play against him right what if that what if that fan base they they're in a lose-lose if they beat jordan love <laughs> yeah ah uh, you beat jordan love. Jordan you lose love, to jordan man. love our our pets heads are falling off like they're <laughs> fucking gonna fall apart yeah it's gonna be a good one to watch so this is a this is a win-win for us lose-lose for them Absolutely. Uh, let's see. They barely beat the Panthers, uh, barely lost to the Bucks, and lost to the Raiders. And then this last week, we we talked about it on the last episode. They just kicked the snot out of the Detroit Lions. Shellacked them. Yeah, that yeah. was a that was a butt whooping there. So um, well, I think you can see here, like this, you know, this offense they have clearly can score points. This mm-hmm. isn't like a a team that you know is going to just play good defense and just kind of hang in there. Like they put up some big scores. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's something to consider. And then also something to consider is that right now we have the fourth, you know, with our starting lineup with cornerbacks, we have like the fifth best pass defending team in the league. So, right. Yes. Hopefully these, hopefully we can get Davis. Hopefully we can get um, Sante Samuel back junior back. Cause that's big. It's important um, to keep, you know, to keep these at bay, keep these guys at bay. Absolutely. And and I think from the the bit of game that I did see, I did, I do recall watching the Chiefs playing against the Eagles, hoping that the Eagles would beat them and they just didn't. The Chiefs just seemed to kind of get them off their rhythm and off their game and kind of frustrate them a little bit. So I I think if, if the Chargers can do any hint of that uh, against the Eagles, I think we'll, we'll have a, at least an exciting game. Um, All right, folks. Well, uh, don't forget to go on over to chargerchat.com. We've got a member section on our page, which a lot of you have already joined and chit-chatting it up over there. Uh, And don't forget to check out some of the sweet merch 
Uh, Kevin's got a hoodie on right now, and I wore mine yesterday because it is it's getting chilly up here in Idaho. Yeah. So uh, if you need hoodies, if you need shirts, if you need stickers, folks, go to chargerchat.com. Check out some of the stuff we've got. All right. Well, now it is time to go on to our next segment. It is Bolt Insight, and we have a birthday guest. Happy birthday, Mr. President. As soon as that clock starts, your ass is mine. When I met Justin Herberts, man, that dude is big as hell. Yeah, the goal is to just keep it rolling. Well, come in hype because we have a lot of things to be excited about. All right, guys, we are back with another Bolt Insight, and we are incredibly lucky to have, you know her, you love her, Jen Mills. What is going on, Jen? Nothing much, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. I'm better now. I get to talk to the uh, the Chargers representative for Fan of the Year. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> What's so crazy? Well-deserved, if anybody follows Jen on social media, well-deserved. How did that come about? I honestly do not know. A few months back, I think some random fan mentioned nominating me and then slowly but surely time passed. And then Karen actually mentioned that how she's going to nominate me. And then all of a sudden, just I kept getting some DM messages. And then I just kind of forgot about it because, you know, it is what it is. If I if it happened, great. If not, that's great too. So I wasn't really thinking anything of it. And then I got a random DM from a friend of mine who happens to be a Cowboys fan. Yes. Okay. And he saw that the NFL put out there the 32 finalists and I happened to be one. <laughs> oh my God. That's so amazing. We're, and we, we could not have a better person representing us. So like, what, what is the next step? Like, would you know what, what, how this, unfolds? I have no clue to tell you the truth. I did get my official call today and they said throughout the process of picking the winner, there will be other events and other prizes of some sort. And that the chargers will be making an official, I'm not sure how they just said something will come about in the next couple of weeks. And they will make an announcement to officially let the Chargers community know. Oh, my God. That's so exciting. Well, and let, let's get let's backtrack a little bit and find out how we got to this place where you being nominated for fan of the year. So, you know, tell us a little bit about the, you know, the Charger community and why you decided to want to, like, reach out and help, you know, people that were, you know, were needed, needed help. Like one of our, our fellow uh, Bolt fans house burnt down. you took care of him you know you've done giveaways to help bring fans in tell us a little bit about like what your goal was what what you wanted to do for the charger community it just kind of happened organically i wasn't planning on doing anything of that sort i mean three seasons ago i happened to come across some stickers and i'm like here who wants some and that was it and then from there i'm like okay well that was pretty cool and i got a lot of good positive responses. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's see what else I can do. And it just kind of grew from there. Um, helping people is just something I think is in me. And I think in a lot of people. So when someone comes to me with a problem, whether it's a financial or if it's 
just a mental thing and they just needed a pick me up, you know, I'm so happy to do it, honestly. Yeah, that's it's pretty amazing to have somebody in our community. And I think it's it's growing to other people. You're seeing other people like I'm taking, you know, I love what Jen's doing here. I'm going to give away my tickets. I'm going to help do this. Like it's kind of infectious what you're doing. And it's really exciting to see. That's what Karen, who is, you know, like my best bud here. The Karen. um, Yes. (laughs) She said that to me not too long ago, how she wants to do more with me and on her own, which is great. And how that has spread to other fans. And I, every time I get tagged on a giveaway, I'm just so jazzed because that's amazing because, you know, there are a lot of people out there and there are people a lot as well who can't afford tickets, who can't afford a Jersey, who can't, you know, even afford to just get any type of memorabilia. So if I have the ability to do so. I'm more than willing to. I'm I'm not kidding. We we kind of stole, took your your lead and kind of, you know, we wanted to, we have season tickets that we can't go to all the games. So like we started giving away to people that listen to the podcast. And it's honestly, there's elements of like them experiencing the game and seeing the pictures they're sending and posting. I'm loving that almost as much as going to the game myself. So it's like this like happiness and positivity is really infectious and fun to be a part of. Oh, absolutely. I mean kindness and feeling the good and the excitement and anything positive, it just, it just builds on top of whatever it is. So giving away tickets, I did that. I've actually done that a couple of times. Now somebody will be attending a game that I won't be able to go to. And that's great. Cause I can't wait to hear what they have to say sure. and experience their first experience at SoFi. So that just makes me feel good. So I'm more than happy to do that. Well, and that's awesome. And we, you know, we you're at most, if not all the tailgates at Thunder Alley and, you know, mingling with everybody, meeting everybody. Like what's been your overall kind of um, experience, like just meeting other Charger fans. And like this year, we're all back together. We get to celebrate our team together. Like what's it been like for you? So this year is the first year that I've actually been able to attend a lot of the tailgates. And it's been amazing. I get to meet new fans every week. And the atmosphere there is just infectious. You just can't stop smiling. You can't stop. Like the excitement just builds and builds. And then the game is there and it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, it's it's definitely an experience. Hopefully more Charger fans, because there's so many of us all over the country and we're interacting with a lot of them. And I I think there's this this excitement of like, we got to get to that. Our our experiences and us sharing, like, you know, being at these tailgates and interacting with people just makes them want to go more. And then we're going to start filling up the stadium full capacity with Charger fans one day. Yeah, you know, like one of the issues with every game that I've come across has been ticket sales. And people would always be down saying, oh, everyone's selling tickets and whatnot. But in actuality, when I've gone to the games, us Bolt fans have shown up big time. And it's great to see that happen despite what people seem to see on Twitter with ticket sales at least. Well, and it's so cool that you're doing those threads that people need to sell their tickets. I'm just seeing everyone like keeping it in family and that's huge. That's important for for the fan base. Absolutely. Chargers fans who want to sell to other Chargers fans, it's so important. It is. It just makes it that much better. And, you know, they're going to get a better deal that way instead of going on to 
you know, ticket sites. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we're, yeah, we're just keeping it going. It's really exciting. And um, so, yeah, so what what are your overall thoughts on, you know, where we're at so far this year? You know, we haven't, you know, middle ground, we're not quite where we thought we were going to like three weeks ago. Like what, what's your optimism? What are you most looking forward to as the season continues? Well, it's a roller coaster ride every game, every season we've ever experienced. So I'm always going to stay optimistic, positive here, thinking that every game we have that chance. You look at the schedule and there's a good chance that we can win majority of them. So I am not even going to be down and out just because we have a loss or two. And clearly some fans can get very emotional, which is perfectly fine because that's how intense of a fan they are. And that's amazing sure. to see. Um, but on the opposite, the flip side, I like to be the positive, just like you guys, and just be very optimistic with the little changes we've already made. Kicker. Great. Upgrade. That's fantastic. And then getting some other special teams help with Roberts, is it? Mm -hmm. And so I see positive changes always happening. And I just think it's going to continue to grow. I agree. And uh, we're we're super excited. You let us know what we can do to support the representative for fan of the year for the Chargers because <laughs> we are we are pulling for you and no one deserves it as much as you do. So uh, thank you so much for coming on, Jen. It's always a pleasure um, chatting with you. And I can't wait to meet you at another game and hang out. I know. What, what's the next game? I can't wait. <laughs> you got to let me know. <laughs> I'm taking the I'm taking the the six year old to the Vikings game. So, oh, fun. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's where we're at. But, you know, we'll, we'll definitely hook it up soon. And we, we again, thank you so much for everything you do for our community and and, uh, you know, keep it up because it's it's we we need people like you part of our Charger community. Thank you. Well, you guys, too, you guys put on a great podcast. It's so fun to listen to. And you guys are do, doing so much with it as well. So you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. We'll do it. High five. All right. Bah. All right. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Jen Mills, you beautiful lady, you. Like, God. <laughs> we love you, Jen. You are so, so full awesome. of every bit of positivity. You are the Charger Chat podcast if the Charger Chat podcast was a human being. Like, that's, that's You're what it is. You're a spirit animal. You are a spirit animal. <laughs> Jen Mills, uh, spirit animal. <laughs> but happy the, birthday, dude. Oh, my God. Yes, happy is, birthday. Yeah, she just had a birthday November 3rd, so. Yeah. yeah. And, and, he, and quite a birthday she had. Saw like, some socials with some celebrity guest appearances. Right. <laughs> yeah. First, it's like, oh, she, you know, Sean Merriman was there. That's cool. That's cool. You yeah. scroll some more. Oh, there's a video. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anybody that saw Sean Merriman gave Jen Mills his a 2007 Pro Bowl watch and like I don't know signed how you don't the win case and everything fan, like I don't know how you don't win fan of the year when Sean Merriman yeah, if you're being recognized appreciates by, you so much he's gonna yeah. give you his Pro Bowl watch yeah shut yeah. your mouth give her all the money all the awards let's go yeah that awesome. that was crazy to see that like I mean and and honestly no better person could could it go to she's just been so giving so and and caring and, and vocal in the she community. sent us these little things, like no I reason know. for no she reason. She just sent us yeah. these little cups, like she's just the best. So yeah, little. She does that for everybody, though. Like she's just yeah. always thinking about everyone. So, so we just cool. we. Man, if you have if you're not following Jen Mills, if you're not on Twitter, yeah, if you're it might a new worth, fan or something, or live under a rock, go check out Jen Mills on Twitter. If you don't have Twitter, just 
get on Twitter just to follow Jen because yeah. she get, does giveaways. She's always helping people yeah. out and um, yeah, do it. And if you want to follow us too, that'd be cool too. No worries. Either, either way. <laughs> either way. Yeah, either way. But it, Jen Mills, whatever. if you're going to follow whatever. anybody, Jen Mills follow is the Jen one Mills. to follow. Yeah, before sure. us, go follow Jen Mills. Follow go Jen follow Mills Jen sure. Mills. We have good gifts and positive <laughs> takes, but not as many giveaways as no, Jen No, not so. quite the level. No, not, no. We're not there yet, but we'll, slowly but surely we will get there. So Jen Mills, thank you so much for coming on, talking yeah, with Kevin you, again. Um, and again, happy birthday. Um, all right, folks. Well, now it's time to go on to the next segment. It is Coach's Corner. Let's see what Kyle has going on in the corner over there. Where are you? You're over here. Great moments are born from great opportunity. All comes down to today. You take this helmet and you put it right in his numbers, okay? I want to see nothing but snot bubbles in his nose. And a lot of people want to blame coaches for a lot of things. Nobody puts coaches <laughs> I trade up. And we shut them down because we can't. It's because I believed in you. And I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational. But it just wouldn't be our style. Let's do it. All right, folks. Well, now it is time to go into Coach's Corner. And for this episode, uh, Kyle just wanted to kind of take a look at the Patriots and what the heck they did. So, Kyle, what the heck did they do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to look at uh, everyone's talking about and I don't know how they're taking it, but the idea that somehow Bill Belichick disguised all of his coverages really well and confused Justin. Um, and going back and watching the film, just watching pretty much pass plays because I wanted to see how he was reading coverages and such. I really believe that his decision-making was sped up because of the pass rush. Mm. Um, I think that he came off of looks early and he didn't have time in his, in his mind. He didn't think he had time. And most of the time he didn't to go wait for those long routes to develop. Um, so I wanted to look at and see what, what, what were they doing? What kind of movement were they showing us um, that could have confused Justin? Um, honestly, none of it was like, oh, revolutionary, brand new defense. So I, I'm really not buying that narrative that they showed a lot of stuff that he wasn't comfortable with. I really think at the end of the day, it was the pass rush that got to him. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll show some of these because it does look like on on a lot of the plays where they were they were moving and and doing a lot of late late shifts. Um, it may have just been a happenstance that those plays we didn't do great, or maybe it was getting in our head. And because of that late shift and him feeling the pressure, he didn't feel comfortable standing back there reassessing what was going on and and dealing the ball. Mm. Um, but this is actually the first time in the game that they showed any type of disguise. Our first touchdown drive, they were in man pretty much the whole time. Mm. It was just man to man. So that is what we anticipated. Um, they talked about it in the press game or the post game press conference. They anticipated man. Cause that's what they ran a lot of. And that's really what we got to come out to start with. And we went down and uh, scored pretty quick. Our scripted plays were designed scripted, meaning coach coach Lombardi has 10 or 12 plays, 15 plays. He's already written them down on Saturday. These are the first 15 plays of the game. As long as we stay on track. And he probably designed it against man. So all of these plays were successful. We scored a touchdown. Um, but here now, at the end of the first quarter, after the first two drives, they start to disguise a little bit. And what we're going to see is um, they start in man. Everything here looks like man-to-man, right? It looks like we have man here. This is going to be watching for running back. He's man, man, and man. And then you have one high safety. So it looks like man across the board, which is what they've been showing us all game. Uh, but then last second, they're going to shift into a too high look. So this guy here, I believe it's 
one of these two is going to drop out and they're going to have two high safeties. So now it looks like they're in cover two. <laughs> Pardon the drawing. It's going to look like they're in cover <laughs> so two. Many dicks in your corner. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then right at last second, that safety that came back is going to drop back down. So there's almost three looks built into one in this play. So safety drops out. Now you got two high. Justin saw that, but now he drops back down and they're in one high cover three. Now, as you watch again, I don't know if it's safe to say that he was he was confused because as you watch, I mean, our pass cover, our, our pass protection is just it it gives up quick, and he's now having to make moves and try to diagnose. Right, right. turns it into a ten yard gain. Um, but in all honesty, everything was pretty well defended. It, I don't know if it was necessarily a you could say he was confused, but you could also say that they just had good coverage on this play, and there wasn't really any wide openings that he could have thrown the ball to, right? Everyone's pretty well covered up. He turned it into a 10-yard gain. But that was the first time that I saw in this game that they actually did try to show some movement pre-snap to confuse us a little bit. Um, and it was it was a good it was a good play. I mean, they went man to two high, back down to one high, but running cover three. There was a lot going on in that play from pre-snap all the way through post-snap. Um, but I can't say definitively he was confused. He may not have. It looks like he stepped up, tried to register. No one was open, tucked it and run and picked up 10 yards. So can't be too upset about that one. All right. So um, there was a lot of talk about there has been a lot of talk about this idea that they took away everything deep and we had to settle underneath and then try to once they get done with us dinking and dunk them, then they come up and then we we try to take a shot deep. But anytime you have two high safeties, like we know as Charger fans this year, you should be able to run the ball. The box should be light enough that you have numbers to be able to run the ball. And that's exactly what we do on this play. So I just think that overall, our offense just needs to become more balanced. Um, we love to throw the ball, um, but you have to have a running attack to manipulate the defense. So in, if they're going to go too high like this, these are the types of plays that we have to have consistently being able to run the ball. And I think we did a decent job in it in this game. So I don't know if you can say necessarily that hey, they took away everything deep and that's why we didn't have a successful game. When they hamstring, went real... Hamstring. Quad. 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 He was thinking hamstring pull, but then he went yeah. quad there at the last second. Sorry. But I, I don't think you can blame it on, hey, they, they, they took away everything deep so we had to settle underneath because when they went to those real two high shells, we ran the ball really, really well. We had two huge explosive, explosive runs. So I'm just, I'm not buying that excuse that that's why... Uh, we weren't successful is because they took away everything deep. Um, I don't think that's the case because you have we had plenty of plays like this, two huge running plays that that would say that hey, when they took away everything deep, then we we gashed them up up on the ground. All right, so this play is when we one of the times we tried to go tempo, and everyone is like, hey, tempo, 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 we got to go tempo, catch them off guard, keep them simple. And I agree, I I love mixing in tempo. I don't I don't think we do it enough. But one of the things that tempo does, especially if for whatever reason, we're not used to it. Or uh, in this play, I think Justin just rushed it. Um, you don't you don't evaluate the field as much, right? Play caller can't evaluate defense as quickly. I mean, those guys are on the headset almost. I think it's like ten seconds left on the play clock, and they're still talking to the quarterback. So you can you can you can be talking to them in the huddle. They break the huddle. You can still be talking to them, and then the mic cuts. Uh, but this looked like a rush play. We went no huddle. Um, you can see the the official here is is still backing out of the play. So this is quick, no huddle, get to the ball and let's convert. This is on second and one. So we picked up 
We picked up um, nine yards on first. We're like, hey, let's go get the first down. Let's go. Let's see if we can catch them. Um, it turns into a sack because we don't we don't evaluate the field. It, the defense, if you like, there's nothing here. You can't tell what they're doing, right? It's just a mumbo jumbo of a bunch of players standing around. So as Justin comes up to take the snap, this is a pass play. I don't know what they're running. He doesn't know. No one knows what they're in. You know, it's like, this is just 11 guys standing in a big mosh posh. So um, it's hard to evaluate and know where guys are going to end up. So what you'll see is last second, what we have is we have the same route on both sides. Some combination of a vertical route with a guy to the flat, a vertical route with a guy to the flat. Now it's second and one. So Justin's thinking, hey, I'm going to get the ball out quick, get it to the flat, let him run upfield. Um, but you have the same route on both sides. So you should be able to evaluate, see which side you like better and go. Um, we, it just feels rushed as you're going to watch on this side down here. One of the outside linebackers is going to come out and he's going to bump Jared cook before he gets to the flat and really slow everything down. Whereas on the top, there's no outside linebacker out here. Parham just goes releases quick to the flat and Justin doesn't evaluate it correctly. He tries to force it to, to cook at the bottom of the screen. Nothing's there. So then he has to take off and try to run. And this is one of those plays that really killed us getting into that second and one to third and six type of thing that really, it, it was a big momentum killer for us. Um, turned into a punt here on this play because we tried to force it down to the bottom instead of just looking to the top where you can see Parham gets gets open pretty quick. He gets, he gets separation. He's in the flat. It should be an easy pitch and catch for first down if you look at the top, right? Right here, that should have been boom, right away. Let's go to it. Let's get that first down. Tries to force it to the bottom where they just have more numbers. They have this backer to the flat that they ran over. They have two on Keenan, who's not been extremely consistent with catching the ball. But if he would have looked and scanned and saw numbers on this side, you have a guy with, he's got some room over here. I don't, I don't, that's Mike Will, I'm assuming. And you have Parham over here in the flat. But everything got sped up because they went no huddle. They didn't get an actual look at what the defense was doing. And he tried to force it to his playmaker instead of, evaluating and actually going to the open receiver. So a, a situation where I think that Justin made the wrong read, uh, he would probably tell you the same thing. And I think it was partially due to us trying to go quick tempo when we hadn't been doing it really much at all in this game. Hmm. Interesting. So the tempo can even throw off the offense when you <laughs> jump in without having to do it. So the tempo... The tempo a, giveth and the tempo taketh away. Double-sided <laughs> double tempo blade. It's definitely... You give and take. You, you, you could catch the defense because they're... on. They're not ready. They're unexpected. They're shuffling. But the offense is the same exact way. Like, you can't just stand there forever and, you okay, I know exactly what everyone's doing. I know this coverage. I know that this backer is lined up here, so they might go into this. No, it's, all right, we have the play called. I think I see everything. Let's go. And then it sometimes you get it wrong. So, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it, it, there's definitely a risk to going no huddle as well. All right. So, here, this is a disguising coverage. So, they start with too high. Um, what I found by watching the game, anytime we go to three receivers, they man up on the backside and then they're running some variation of a zone um, to the three receiver or trip side. Um, later in the game, we start to try to manipulate that and they actually switch it up, which compliments to them. They didn't just stand the same thing against the same look every time. Part of what Bill Belichick did to help disguise what he was doing. Um, but here they start in too high. So it looks like some kind of a variation of cover four with this corner being off and a cover two potentially if he rolled late. So that's the thought at the beginning. But then what you'll see is as the play develops, this corner jumps down into the hook curl, almost a flat, and this corner drops way out. So they go into almost a cover three look on this side. They're in man here. This safety is going to drop, and then he's looking for any crossers coming, but also he's help over the top for the number one on top. 
So there's a lot, there is a lot going on here from the simple look at first. But if we know that this is what they're giving us, which I'm sure we knew by watching tape that when we go three by one, three receivers on this side by one receiver on this side, they're going to get some kind of a split field coverage, meaning they split the field in half. These guys are running one thing and these guys are running something completely different. So on this side, on this side of the field, it looks like cover three. On this side of the field, it looks like cover two man um, with this guy really being a help on any vertical routes coming this way. Um, and this is late movement, a lot going on. And Justin picks it up and delivers a ball right where it needs to be, even while being tackled. Um, but this is one of Keenan Allen's drops um, that really, really hurt us. This is a third and six. Would have been a huge pickup. But watch, you can see all the movement. You see the safeties now starting to move. He goes down, corner drops out. Now Keenan comes across the middle wide open. Justin stepped up to avoid pressure, delivers a ball, and he just doesn't complete it. So you can't blame how intricacies of defense late shows. Justin saw it all, picked it up, and delivered the ball where it needed to be. In this situation, we just we couldn't come through with the play. So I just I you can't single, hey, this is what we did wrong. Justin can't pick up late movement. That's not the case. He can. Sometimes you'll catch him. Sometimes he'll catch you. Um, this time we you, you can't catch can't catch balls, especially for easy first downs on third and six. Mm. All right. So um, this last play we're gonna look at. Uh, I just there were some cool there were some cool little things going on here. This this I do think to start with Justin misses the throw. I think he throws it in the wrong spot. I don't think he sees corner. Um, he doesn't see the coverage completely. Um, so here we have we end up being in three by one again. So one two. This guy's gonna motion over and make it three. I'm assuming he's expecting one-on-one here with that kind of split field coverage. And that's why he doesn't see this corner leak late. Um, but what they do that's that's cool to watch is watch on the play action. They're going to fake it to Eckler going this way. These linemen are all going to start blocking like it's a zone. What it does is it takes at least two, if not more, defensive linemen completely out of the play. So this is one way that we manipulated their pass rush to give us a little bit of time. And as I, I'll play it the first time, just so you can watch that. Watch the play action. When that running back goes across, the linemen all start screaming to the top of the screen. Those defensive linemen are all going with it, right? Now look at that time that he has in the pocket because we just manipulated on the play action. Instead of just running an inside zone, we ran an outside zone on the on the, on the the play action. Took It took a good one, two, three guys out of the pass rush to it to start. They had to adjust and get back into the pass rush, but it gives us time for that deep ball. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the coverage-wise, what you'll see is they're going to run some kind of a split, and it does show a little bit late, but it's nothing too intricate. They almost just go into a cover three. The only disguise is this safety tried to come and start on the hash and then work to the middle of the field. Not a huge disguise. Justin knew what he was getting. I think he just delivers the ball in a bad spot. So he's trying to get the ball to Keenan right here in the slot. Um, Keenan is running like a deep over post. Um, what needs to happen, in my opinion, is once he puts this double move on the safety, watch how bad he beats the safety. He needs to sit down and they need to hit him right in the middle of the field. So right there now, he's acting like he's running a corner. These cor- this corner is trying to come out. So a corner is up and then out to the corner. A post is up and then over to the goal post. So this corner is now jumping on what he thinks is this corner because he opens his hips. But then what you'll see is Keenan breaks it back off over the middle to mess with the safety. Man, it's just so much going on. You see the safety, his eyes looking back at the queue. He's not locked on here. Keenan sees that. So as soon as he turns his head, he's now going to break off this route and he runs wide open in the middle of the field here. So he's going to get boom right there. Now he needs to sit. The ball needs to be put on him right here. 
But Keenan is going to lead him out because he doesn't, I don't think he knows that this corner is here. I think he thinks he's hugged up on this, on Mike Williams. And he thinks that this field is wide open and he's just going to put a ball up there for a touchdown. And it ends up getting broken up. Keenan gets hit pretty good because that corner gets deep on the play. I'll play it one more time. I'm sorry. Tech, technological issues <laughs> never seem to be. I, I don't like technology. <laughs> um, I'll play it again from the start so you can watch. Watch Keenan's route from the slot right there. He's going to get upfield, make a little break to the out to beat the corner, come back inside. He's open. The ball needs to be there, but he lobs it up over the top. Corner gets there. Safety reacts. That was just not really a good ball. I think he knew the coverage for the most part. Maybe he lost that corner and Mike Williams thought he was going to be snugged up more. And I think he threw, he was going to be able to throw one of those lob balls that Keenan could run under. Uh, but that needed to be put on him right in the middle of the field. So I do think that coverage did, did, did beat him a little bit. And he didn't know that corner was going to be there. And it, it cost us, cost us a, a, a big play. Hmm. All right. Well, lots to look at there, folks. So thank you, Kyle, for yes, taking coach. a look at all those plays. Yeah, yeah. there's and a lot going recap, on. Yeah, to recap, I don't think it's just one thing that we did wrong. I don't think that every time it was a bad play, it was because Justin didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just a lot going on that we just did not execute high in, at, at a good at a high enough level. And I think it was not being in momentum, not being in rhythm. Um, and we need to start making some of those big plays. Something to look forward to this next game. Hopefully we see some of that stuff get cleaned up and uh, we'll find out. But thank you, Kyle, for taking a look. Thanks, Coach. Yep. All right, folks. Well, now it's time to go on to the next segment, Bolt History. And I know Mike Modlin's got another good one for us. Let's see what it is. What's up, Bolt gang? Your boy, Mike Modlin, is back with another installment of Bolt History. And I have to apologize right at the onset. uh, I am just getting back home from my first home game since 2003 at SoFi Stadium versus the Patriots. So I'm a little hoarse and raspy. Hopefully this all comes through clearly. Uh, but I apologize for my voice and the quality thereof. This segment is going to be about a specific player rather than an event in Chargers history. This player was in a CIF championship game at Qualcomm Stadium for his high school back in the mid-80s. And this kid was walking around the bowels of Qualcomm Stadium and somehow ended up in the locker room. Uh, He ended up getting caught by Sid Brooks, who was the equipment manager at the time in the locker room. Uh, If you remember Sid, Uh, Sid happened to be the first black NFL equipment manager in the NFL. Um, So the Chargers have a history of being very groundbreaking and uh, and diverse. So this kid ends up in the locker room and he tells Sid, hey, while I'm here, since I'm here already, can I touch Dan Fouts' helmet? So Sid, being the nice guy that he was, uh, sets down a stool in front of Dan Fouts' locker, takes the helmet out of the locker and, and puts it in this player's lap. So the kid spends about five, 10 minutes just adoring this helmet and losing his mind, you know. And so he exits the locker room and Sid thinks that's that. Uh, nope. The, uh, the kid arrives about five minutes later with about six or seven of his teammates. And when they get in the locker room, he points at Sid and he says, hey, there's my friend Sid, my friend Sid right there. He'll let us touch Dan Fouts' helmet. So, of course, of course, Sid is the nice guy he is, uh, allows the kids to spend another five to ten minutes just tripping out over the helmet uh, and, and, of course, being in the locker room as well. This particular player that I'm speaking of ended up being drafted fifth overall in 1990 by his favorite team, which happened to be the San Diego Chargers. Uh, if you couldn't tell by now, um, I am obviously referring to Junior Seau. Junior Seau, number 55, was a Chargers living legend for so many seasons. He made 12 consecutive Pro Bowls. 
He was elected a, a 10-time All-Pro. Uh, he was the Walter Payton Man of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, 1990s All-Decade Team, and the NFL 100-Year Anniversary All-Time Team. That's how impactful the man was on the football field. He unfortunately was traded to the Dolphins in 2003 for a conditional conditional draft pick. Um, he played for the Dolphins for a few seasons, and in the 2003 season, week seven, it was the Dolphins at the Chargers. So this was supposed to be his big homecoming game, but unfortunately at the time there were wildfires in San Diego, so they had to play the game in Phoenix. Um, so he was really disappointed about that, and so were the Chargers to a certain extent. And Junior Seau said that that was the hardest game he ever had to play in his life. And I imagine that would be the case if you had to go up against your favorite team after having getting traded by them. Uh, in his last two seasons with Miami, he was often injured, so he didn't play a whole lot of games. He only played 13 games in his last two seasons with the Dolphins. They ended up releasing him in 2006. Uh, and then he retired. But then, four days later, he unretired and signed with the Patriots. Uh, he thought he was going to have a good shot at winning a championship with them, but unfortunately, that was not the case for Junior. He he never won a, a an NFL championship, unfortunately. Uh, he permanently retired in 2010, and then after his passing, he was elected to the Pro, the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2015. Junior Seau obviously had a huge impact on the field, but he also had maybe an even greater impact off the field. Um, he was raised by his mom to be very helpful towards others and to lift lift other people up. Uh, one of the things his mom used to tell him and his his, uh, his siblings were to go out and make happy. They, she told them that every day. Go out and make happy. And if you ever had the chance to meet Junior, he was the nicest guy. He always treated you like you were the best friend that he's been missing for like the last five years. He would call you buddy and throw his arms around you and give you a hug. And I actually got to meet him on TV after uh, the Chargers Raiders game at Sales, the restaurant. Uh, and I don't remember what year that was, but it was the last game of the season. The Chargers beat the Raiders and uh, everybody partied up at Sales. Um, and they used to have the post game report at Sales. And uh, I happened to be wearing his jersey and was sitting out at a table right behind him on TV. And after his interview, he came over and shook my hand, sat down at the table with us for a little bit and talked with us. And it was an absolute blast. Um, some cool stories about Junior. Uh, there was a, a kid, a teenager at the time named Eric Olson, who ended up becoming an offensive line for, uh, excuse me, an offensive lineman for several NFL teams between 2010 and 2015. Eric Olson, uh, the last played for the Cleveland Browns. But when he was a teenager, he was at a youth football camp that was being run by Junior Seau. And uh, Junior at one point uh, challenged all the kids to go up against each other one-on-one -on -one in front of the whole camp. Uh, and Eric, being one of the bigger kids, probably the biggest kid at the camp, uh, his buddies all volunteered for him to go up against Junior Seau. So there he is trying to line up against Junior Seau, and he's shaking in his cleats. He's freaking out. And just before the, the coach begins giving cadence, Junior Seau gives the kid a wink. Uh, and the coach blows the whistle. They go at it, and he goes after Junior, and Junior let, let him pancake him. Uh, and he totally sold it. Uh, and all the kids in the camp started cheering, and he felt so amazing after that happened. He couldn't believe that this 10-time All-Pro did all this just to make a, a big, huge, geeky kid's dream come true. Uh, and he wasn't even sure if he wanted to play football at all. Uh, and that ended up becoming a, an addiction for him. Football ended up becoming an addiction for Eric Olson because of Junior Seau and what he did for him that day at that football camp. He says, uh, Eric's quote says, it changed me forever. The whole camp cheered for me. A chubby kid that didn't even know if he liked football. From then on, from then on, I was addicted. 
all thanks to this 10 time all pro that felt like making some snot nose snot nose kids day. <laughs> Another great story about Junior. Back on December 5th, 2010, the Raiders ended up ended a two game losing streak um, to the Chargers, beating them 28 to 13 on the road. Instead of going back to Oakland with the team, Mark Davis, you know who Mark Davis is. He's the current owner of the, of the Raiders, but uh, back then he was just the, the owner's kid. Um, instead of going back to Oakland with the team, he decided to stay in San Diego because he was planning on driving to Palm Springs the next day. So he stayed in San Diego and he was hungry and he was wanting to watch the Ravens versus the Steelers game that night on Sunday night football. So he decided to go to San Diego's biggest sports bar and restaurant, Sayhouse, the restaurant. So he walks into Sayhouse and wouldn't you believe it? Junior Sayhouse standing there at the front podium, welcoming in the guests wearing shorts and flip-flops. And Mark Davis was like totally shocked that he's just standing there hanging out. So Junior Sayhouse offered to take him up to his, his office upstairs. And they ended up spending two hours about talking just about everything but football. Um, love, loves, life, life loves, um, all their things that they cared about, and, uh, family, things like that. They talk, As they said, they talked about everything but football. And they ended up becoming kind of friends. And over the years, anytime the Raiders would vis visit the Chargers, Mark Davis would make a point of it to go find seek out Junior and, and talk to him. And they had kind of a friendship going after all those years. He had never formally met Junior before that day. But he told him, he said, I've hated you all my life, but it's out of respect. You guys have whipped our asses so many times over the years. Um, that was basically the gist of what Mark Davis said to Junior. So that's kind of a neat story as well, uh, that he formed a, a friendship with a with a, a divisional foe, really. Um, so that is the, the story of Junior Seau. And of course, um, you guys know what a player he was. If you don't know what type of player he was, I encourage you to go find some YouTube clips. The guy's energy was just absolutely infectious. Not only his play on the field, but his celebrations after making a big play. Just everything about the guy was just, he was a ball of energy. His nickname was the Tasmanian Devil. Um, the guy was a force to watch in person. Um, but it was almost like a, uh, a secret identity, like Clark Kent and Superman. He was a monster on the field, but he was an absolutely soft, personable, kind-hearted person off the field. And uh, I hope you got a chance to meet him. I'd just like to rem remember his memory in a positive way. Uh, even though he did take his own life, um, he made an impact on everyone he came across. That's it for this installment of Bolt History, Bolt Gang. Don't forget to stay bolted. Follow the Charger Chat podcast on all social media platforms and YouTube. And you can follow me at Supercharger on Twitter. Stay bolted. Okay, love you. Bye. Wow. Like, I, I Junior Seau is a, has been a consistent favorite for this team. But I there's so much more to him, obviously, that we just yeah. don't know. And and thank you, Mike, for taking a look at some of those awesome. special he gave, stories. He just gave to the community so much. Like right, just, yeah. he was he was the heartbeat of that team in the early to late. He 90s. is San Diego. Man. Yeah, like he right. brought the whole city around. I mean, he's an Oceanside kid. He is San Diego. So it it just to have your one of your greatest all time players be from your town where you're playing. It has a way of just grafting everyone in and buying into the team. So yeah, that's that's awesome. And he's Thanks the reason why I wanted to play football yeah like 55. we were we were both 55 all through I was 55, pop warner all pop warner i was <laughs> yeah, yeah. Number 55 yeah, i was lineman playing 55 yeah. i didn't do the number justice all that much but it was uh it was because of junior sale that i wanted to play football so i you know wish he was still around man right. really yeah. do 
Yeah. Uh, well, clearly you two weren't the only ones that he influenced to, to play football. And, and Mike, thank you for, for taking Great a look job, at Mike. that. And, uh, you know, something, something to go on on folks, you know, if you can do anything, go make happy. So go make happy, man. Um, all right, folks. Well, that is going to do it for us here at charger chat. Uh, we'll see you guys. Hopefully we'll see you guys let's on hit, Sunday. Let's break some Eagles backs. Let's do this. I want to win. I want to win a football game right I now. Win. <laughs> let's, I win. let's clip some wings, folks. Let's um, do it. That is going to do it for us here at charger chat. Folks, don't forget to bolt up because we're ready for any squad, any place. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. And now, a word from our sponsors. Don't wake Lane, he's a grumpy guy. Don't wake Lane, he's a grumpy guy. Don't Wake Lane is the game where you gotta sneak into Lincoln Financial Field without waking Lane. Land on a noise and you gotta press Lane's alarm clock. Will he wake up? Don't Wake Lane from Duggan Brothers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.